Hello and welcome back, Jack Wagon Nation. It is time for another edition of the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. Uh, we had a lot to talk about this week. Um, starting off, Slate, do we want to tell them what happened this weekend or should we let it be a surprise? That's up to you. You originally said no one would find out until later okay. on. All right, we'll, we'll keep them in suspense as to how well Nick did. Um, so, but that we, in case you're forgetting what we're talking about, we did record our first golf vlog with all three of us this weekend. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we are very excited to get everything edited and put together and bringing that all to you. Uh, we really hope you guys enjoy it. Um, but with uh, without getting too sidetracked here, uh, we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, starting with um, some NASCAR news, we had the Watkins Glen this past Watkins Glen race this past weekend. It's been a long day. I was on a hot roof. I can't even form words <laughs> right now. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are we are ready to talk about Watkins Glen. It was a very exciting race. Uh, lots of comers and goers. Lots of different strategies playing out. Uh, I got home. I think it was. Thanks to the rain delay, it was right in the middle of the second stage. Uh, so I got to see from that one. Um, Elliott wasn't up front. We had Michael McDowell, I think, in third at the time. Logano and Bush were fighting for the lead. Um, then all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, the, the leaderboard slipped on its head. Uh, Slade, just your thoughts uh, real quick um, on the race. You probably saw a little bit more of it than I did. And uh, your thoughts on the finish more specifically with Larson and, and Chase Elliott getting together. I know you're a big Elliott fan. Uh, so were you upset about it or uh, just your thoughts? Yeah, so I thought that it was a really entertaining race compared to what we saw um, at the, uh, what was it, the Indianapolis Road Course or whatever. Um, that was just kind of a shit show. This this really uh, this really competed up there with that race. Like we had talked about last week, I had said with Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Elliott racing around the course the last like 10, 15 laps a couple years ago. Um, this really competed with that. Uh, Definitely really interesting to see the play, the uh, pit strategy calls from the different drivers and their teams. Um, I was really surprised to see that a lot of uh, people didn't try and hold out on the uh, rain tires, sort of like Elliot and some others. Um, was really surprised about the time you tuned in, George. I think it was Michael McDowell and Todd Gillen at the top of the fucking leaderboard. Yeah, yeah. um, it, it was. I, I honestly was getting ready to put some money on Todd Gillen for top three just because, like, it was still at, like, plus 1,000. Um, pretty ridiculous. Uh, he ended up actually getting wrecked, I think. Um, I think it's Axel Brook, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it was it was definitely interesting to see. Uh, Hamlin was, like, a lap down the entire day. It was uh, it was interesting to see that his average for the day was, like, 25th. Um, Larson – so – it was really interesting to see the end of the race there because Elliot, they, they talked after the, the first restart there at the end, they talked to both crew chiefs and um, who is it? Cliff Daniels is Larson's. Yeah. He, uh, he had stated like, he thinks that Larson knows what he needs to do on this next restart. Chase Elliott's crew chief, Alec, Alec. Yeah. Alan Gustafson. Yeah. He was like uh I think that we need to change some things, but obviously I don't know what's going on in the car. I don't know how the car drives. Like, I don't know from that standpoint. And at that point, I I kind of like felt weird about that. And then Elliot again chose the outside. Um, I think that he just kind of figured that he was going to to get the same clean start that he had got the last restart. Um, and and so at the end of the race, you could definitely see that 
I think that Chase's crew chief definitely had a conversation with him about taking the inside for the corner one, obviously. Um, and he, he chose against it. Uh, it ultimately cost him the race. It could have been anyone in that position that kind of ran it in a little deep and, and the same result would have happened. Um, he was definitely furious. He was throwing his hands up with uh, Mr. H and Jeff Gordon. It was just really interesting to see. I mean, it, it just put a damper on his day after he had just he just clinched the uh, regular season championship, I think midway through the second stage or at the end of the second stage. So uh, it was just a really up and down day as a Chase Elliott fan. But all in all, it was a really good race. What, what was your thoughts on it, Nick? Yeah, so um, as a Larson fan, it was great to see him back in victory lane. Uh, sorry about that, buddy. Um, he wasn't really somebody that we had on our radar going into this week. I mean, it's Kyle Larson, so you pretty much got to look at him every week. But uh, we had talked about a few people that weren't Kyle Larson going um, in last week's podcast. But he had a really strong race. Um, pitch strategy you know, came out perfect. Uh, managed to come away with the second win of the season. So all in all, he had a good day. Uh, the race was, especially the first, I want to say like 12 laps or so when the track was still wet, especially the first couple when it was still soaking wet. Um, that was some of the best racing I've seen at a NASCAR this year, let alone uh, any of the years recently. Um, I don't know. I love tricky racing. Uh, I feel like probably a lot of people do. But um, even after the track dried up and everybody switched their tires, uh, it was still competitive racing. And, you know, that's, at the end of the day, when we tune into a NASCAR race, that's what we like to see. So I'm here for it. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a really great race. Watkins, Watkins Glen is always one of my favorite tracks to watch. Uh, it, it's a challenging road course, but it's fast. Like, they fly through the bus stop. They fly, you know, through a lot of the, the, the chicanes. Uh, and it's interesting, especially the line some of these guys take, trying to take as much grass as they can sometimes, um, you know, flying over the, the, the bus stops. And <laughs> damn near airborne. Um yeah, so like you said, you know, coming up to the greenway checkered, I, I don't understood or I didn't understand why uh, Elliot took the outside twice, um, and a lot of people aren't even talking about the fact that Larson was like he got shoved for a good bit of the, the, the front stretch there into turn one. Yeah, he probably could have hit the brakes a little bit, you know, harder and, and not necessarily locked them up and, and tried to outbreak Elliot and race him clean. But at the same time, you can't count on the guys behind you in that situation. You're not like we we saw it at the Indy Road Course, like you said. Logano pulled off from like twentieth and just dive bombed it into turn one and said, "Fuck it, I'm going for it." And you know, he, you don't know if that's going to happen in this situation with a ton of guys right behind him who are desperate to to try and lock themselves into the playoffs. Uh, you know, Busher was in the top ten. Um, and a, a few other guys, McDowell was in the top ten. Um, so you can't take the risk that you're going to play conservative and and try and be polite to your teammate and not get taken out from somebody behind who's trying everything they can to, to get into the playoffs, you know, with just two races left. Um, I, I do understand Elliot being a little upset, like, hey, you know, he, he ran me up the track, he used me up. But at the same time, um, I see him in that same exact situation doing the same thing. Um, I'm sure by next week everything will be, be calmed down and better, and especially once they sit back and talk it out amongst themselves, first of all, but, you know, especially with, you know, Mr. H and, and Jeff, um, you know, they, they kind of realized, okay, maybe I was in the wrong a little bit here, but, you know, there's definitely some things I can work on. And like I said, I think in the same situation, Elliot does the same exact thing. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it was a it was a great race. It was very exciting to see. Um, and then not to mention, um, you know, now we had the Daytona with one winning spot available. 
Um, let me take a look at the points here real quick. Um, so we have Chase Elliott still leading the way. Uh, this isn't updated yet. So Kyle Larson's second win is not in there. Um, but with uh, Kurt Busch, and I don't think a lot of people really talked about this. Uh, Kurt Busch is not necessarily locked in anymore, and he will not be racing this weekend at Daytona. Uh, he will be back um, for the first race of the playoffs, or at least that's what he's hoping. Uh, Ryan Blaney still holds a slim lead over Martin Truex Jr. for the 16th spot if there is no winner. Um, so just real quick, uh, your guys' thoughts on heading into this weekend at Daytona, and who are you going to pick to win? I'll go first. <laughs> um, so... We've talked about this the last, what, three, four weeks now. Um, Daytona's coming up. Anybody has a shot at this. That's the kind of race that Daytona brings. Um, and I, I think I might have mentioned it last week. Um, I, this is a pull-a-name-out-of-a-hat kind of race for me. Um, obviously, there's a few people who can run strong at Daytona and that you would like to think could win, but when it comes to Daytona, anything can happen. I guess if I'm going to go with somebody who hasn't won a race yet, because I, I believe I did say that um, we would have a new winner at Daytona. Um, I don't know. There's some strong racers out there. Uh, I'm going to have to go. I don't know. I thought I was. I wanted to put this in my notes, and I couldn't think about it earlier. Go, I, you guys talk. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll figure something out here. I still can't make a decision. Yeah, so I, I think that there's a big possibility that we see a new winner this week. Um, th there's a crazy thing. So the winner only has to be in the top 30 in points to qualify for a chance based on points then at that point. Um, or not at points at that point. If they get a win, they just have to be in the top 30 in points um, based on the current amount of winners. They would be locked into the play. They would make it into the playoffs with a win this weekend. Um, just three people that are in the top 30 in points that have won at Daytona are Michael McDowell, who's in 24th, um, Justin Haley, who's in 23rd, and Bubba Wallace, who's in 21st. Um, I, I think that we could easily see any of those three do some sort of random... I mean, usually here, we see the manufacturers pit with one another. So um, it just has to be... They just have to be the, the front one of their manufacturer when the manufacturer lines come down to pit. And... If their manufacturer has the better pitch strategy for the race, um, minus cautions and stuff like that, I mean, we could easily see someone new win. Um, I mean, we could also definitely see um, a repeat winner. But, uh, yeah, I think that this is the best chance we have at seeing a new winner in the last two, three races here now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of names you can watch out for. You just said one, Mike McDowell. Uh, I think Bubba Wallace, who's always shown how strong he is at restrictor play tracks. Uh, Ryan Blaney won here last year. Uh, I mean, I could absolutely see him winning and, and securing the spot that he feels like he deserves. Um, another name further down a lot of people haven't mentioned is Ricky Stenhouse. He's in the top 30 in points. Um, he wrecks half the field at super speedways, but this is going to be one of those races where you might need to if, if you want a chance to win. Uh, so he's definitely not somebody to count out. And Brad Keselowski... Uh, when he was at Penske, he always ran well at Daytona. Um, at the 500, he didn't run terrible. Uh, I think he got caught up in a late accident. But uh, nonetheless, again, uh, when it comes to this race, I, I think all common courtesy is going to get thrown out of the window, especially from these guys, um, you know, 17th on back who are trying to get into the playoffs, and they're going to do everything they can 
uh, to get in there. And I could even see somebody like Corey LaJoy, who's 31st in points right now, but a win would definitely boost him up above, uh, you know, the guys in, in 30th and 29th. Um, he came close to Atlanta, uh, so definitely somebody else to watch out for as well. Um, Nick, do you have somebody you want to pick now? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not 100% comfortable with it, but I think I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney here. He's had a strong season. I think he's deserved um, a couple wins this season and hasn't gotten any. So if there's a time for him to do it, obviously this is the last chance he's got. And, uh, just like everybody else that doesn't have a win, he's going to give it his all. So I think Blaney is, is a decent pick. Definitely solid choice. Yeah, we just jinxed him, so now he's not even going to make the playoffs yeah. at all. Sorry, <laughs> Justin Haley. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so moving on, it is time to talk about the exciting weekend we had at the BMW Championship. Uh, a lot of comers and goers. Uh, the leaderboard looked completely different just about every, every day. Um, unfortunately, we did have Will Zalatoris uh, have to withdraw on Saturday. Uh, Slate broke that news to us while we were trying to play golf. As I'm getting ready to hit my shot, he turns like, holy shit, Zalatoris withdrew. Um, scared the shit out of me. But uh, nonetheless, uh, great tournament over the weekend. I did get home in time to see the end of that as well. Um, I put money on Scheffler, and I thought there for a minute he, he had it. He made a comeback. I think he was one stroke back of the leaders, and then next thing I know, I looked down, he was like three strokes back. So that sucked. But nonetheless, uh, it, was, it was a great tournament all weekend. Patrick Cantlay holds on to get, I believe it's his first win of the year. Uh, I know he finished runner-up at the Waste Management and a few other times this year. His first solo win of the year, because yeah, him and Shaw. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, this is he's the first person to win a FedEx Cup uh, playoff event uh, in back-to-back years, so defending his title at the BMW. Um, Nick, your thoughts real quick on, on your uh, just the whole weekend as a whole uh, at the BMW Championship? Yes, yeah, so I, I might be confusing. I forgot to look this up before the show, and I went to. But uh, I believe on Thursday it was Cantley who shot like plus seven, or something like that. Um, and it, it was one of the guys up in the top field, but I'm pretty sure it was Cantley because they were talking about it. Um, but either way, he didn't have a good Thursday. Uh, everybody kind of forgot about him, and then he was like, "Hey, here I am." Um, and like you said, manages to be the first person to defend a playoff event. So uh, that was pretty cool to see. Um, always a good. Always a good time when you get to witness a little history made. Um, but uh, he he looked great. He looked confident, and uh, I think that he's in a really good shot or in a really good spot to um, defend his uh, his FedEx Cup uh, championship as well. Not just this past weekend. Slade, your thoughts yeah. on on the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I like you, George. I had bet on uh, Scotty Scheffler. Um, <laughs> I think at the time I bet it was like plus eleven hundred odds. Um, that was with him being in third or fourth place at the time. He was back through strokes. I think before the round started, um, he definitely had a chance. But going into eighteen, I don't, I don't know. He just had a bad hole. He hit it into two bunkers, and uh, ended up not being able to 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 get another birdie just to be able to kind of put a little bit of pressure there, just in case you know Cantley had hit it into a bunker on eighteen. Um, Antley really, he just, he, he did really good with his putting this week, um, especially on Sunday, and it, it definitely helped him out and showed, uh, just kind of the leaderboard from this past weekend. It was Cantley at minus 14, Stallings at minus 13, uh, then you saw Scheffler and Shoffley at 11 under, and, uh, someone that surprised me was Rom and McElroy tied 
uh, for eighth at nine under. Um, I think that both of them is that that's a really good showing for them um, coming into this final weekend at East Lake. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting weekend this uh, this weekend. Uh, but yeah, back to the BMW. Uh, I I feel like Canley he just had a lot of luck, especially on Sunday. I believe I watched him. I want to say it was seventeen. He was coming down the fairway. Uh, it was. It started to fade a little bit to the right, and it was going right for the bunker. And somehow it hit like the back lip of it, and then bounced over the bunker, and then like back onto the fairway. Yeah, that was mirrors off the green. He had another one that bounced off the rock onto the fair onto the green. So I mean, when you have luck down your side, it's going to be tough to beat you. Uh, But yeah, now we're heading to a tournament where last year when he came here, he was a leader. Um, You know, he didn't have he just had to fend off the field. This year, he's two strokes back of the, uh, the leader in uh, Scotty Scheffler. Um, but it's somewhere that we know he plays well. Um, and But, I mean, Scheffler has kind of regained, it feels like, some of his confidence here lately uh, and is definitely a, a dangerous guy out there on the course. Um, but I think we are setting up for a very exciting weekend. Um, speaking of the tour championship this weekend at Eastlake, uh, Slade, who is your pick to win the, win it all? Yeah, so, I mean, I have a favorite pick, which is Scotty Scheffler. Um, I also have a question. With Will Zalatoris not competing this weekend, does that mean the rest of the field moves up with their with their starting? So, like, would that mean that Xander Shoffley starts at 7-under instead of 6-under? Um, or does he still start at 6-under and just nobody starts at 7-under? Yeah, uh, they, they still start with the same scores because it's just your handicap scoring. Um, and so, like, I just didn't know with him with him pulling out if it affected the rest yeah. of the field. No, so I, everybody moves up a spot, but they they keep the same score. If that makes sense. Okay, okay, okay. So I I'd definitely had Scheffler, which I mean I feel like that's just the easy pick, but uh, I think the the long shot would be uh, Rory McIlroy for me. Just I'd mentioned he had a good finish to the weekend, um, tiny, and so I think that he's really just been known this year to be talking. Um, as the opposition for the live tour, um, so I think that it would be really good for him just to kind of close the this season out with with a golf moment, not a you know like a trying to defend the PGA Tour versus live moment, you know. Right, um, Nick. Nick, your thoughts on who you think is going to win? Yeah, so I I think you'd be pretty stupid if your favorite pick wasn't Scotty Scheffler. Um, obviously, you know, Cantley being two strokes back isn't terrible. Um, even if Zalatoris was playing and he was only three strokes back, you'd have to look at him. But uh, kind of like Slade here, I went with a um, with a dark horse pick, so to speak. And really, like, I had a hard time deciding in this, but that 13 to 15 range, which would now be 12 to 14, um, Justin Thomas, Cameron Young, Matt, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, yeah, you're looking at seven strokes back, but if there's any three people that could overcome three strokes, especially if Scheffler, um, you know, stumbles a little bit either out the gate or late in the week. Normally, if he stumbles, it's earlier in the week. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I, I had to go with obviously my favorite out of those three because I couldn't make a decision on that either. So I went with Justin Thomas. Um, but a little bit of uh, stats here, or not necessarily stats, but um, backing for my decision. So. He's never won at Eastlake, but in 24 rounds, uh, his scoring average is barely above a 68. I want to say it was 68.08. So obviously some good scoring. Not, you know, uh, obviously if the average wasn't at like 65, you'd be like, holy shit, this guy's great here. Um, but still 68, good. Um, 
he's been very cool lately. He's kind of been, you know, sneakily in the last couple of tournaments he played, uh, like, 20s, 30s. Um, but especially watching him last week, he was missing putts by less than inches. Um, and we've all seen, like, if you look at that run he made from seven back, I believe it was, to win uh, the PGA, his putter was hot. And when his putter gets hot, he's hard to beat. Now, obviously, you could say that for a lot of people, but I think that it is he's due for another win with um, how cool he's been lately. So he's my person to watch, so to speak, uh, outside of Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, uh, like you guys said, it, it's going to be hard for – Scottish Scheffler to mess up that badly that, you know, he, he falls far down the leaderboard, especially. I think he, he keeps us up in contention. Um, if I had to pick somebody further back, I'm looking at Tony Finau. He had that hot streak right before the FedEx Cup playoffs started. Um, hasn't been playing terrible these last two events in the playoffs. Uh, he kept his name towards the top of the leaderboard at the FedEx uh, Cup or the FedEx Championship and um, didn't have a stellar weekend this past week. Um, but I mean, definitely keeps his name around. Um, so I'm looking at him and then, like you said, um, you know, Justin Thomas all the way down through, I would even say as far as Max Homa, uh, Max Homa has had some solid weeks here lately. I mean, it would take a lot for him at eight strokes back, you know, to make up that ground. Uh, but you know what you need to do for, for four days, um, you know, go out there and chip away. If he makes up two strokes a day, you know, he, he sends this thing to a playoff, um, and that, that would be something monumental. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun heading into this weekend. Um, watching these guys, you know, try and move their name with the leaderboard. Uh, there's no cut this weekend. Uh, so for all we know, somebody can go out there and somehow shoot like a 59 or something. And, uh, you know, end up with, with their name at the top of the leaderboard, you know, in just one day. Um, and that's what makes the FedEx Cup, you know, the, excuse me, the Tour Championship so exciting. Um I am very excited to see it this weekend. I'm not going to watch much of it on Saturday because we got some college football this week finally. But um, I think it's going to be a great tournament. It's going to be fun to see if Shuffer can hang on for his first title, if Cantlay can you know, mount a little bit of a comeback here and win back-to-back titles, or if somebody further down like McElroy or Finau, like I said, or even Homa um, you know, can have a great story and, and head into the offseason season. The, the short yeah. one that it is. And even uh, two that we didn't mention that were just barely behind, uh, I believe it's at minus six and minus five, uh, so four strokes back and five strokes back, um, Sam Burns and Cam Smith. Sam Burns, um, really good friends with Scotty Scheffler. He has shown at times um, how it lights out. He can be on a golf course. And Cam Smith, um, we talked about if all this stuff kind of going on is true, Cam Smith, if he manages to still play come the weekend, um He's going to be pissed off, and I think that could be enough to set a spark, um, set enough of a spark in him to kind of make up that ground and compete too. So this is, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I mean that, that's something we definitely didn't talk about. Is you know we're recording this on Tuesday. We haven't heard anything yet about if he's playing or not. Um, if he is playing, yeah, he's six strokes back right now. Definitely somebody to watch out for. Uh, you know, he's been known to challenge Scheffler before. I mean, he showed up on the big stage at the Open uh, and, and beat, you know, not just Scheffler, but uh, Roy McIlroy and, and all those guys. So he knows how, how to, you know, come from a few strokes back and, and you know, make up the ground. Um, like we said, as far as we know, he's playing this weekend. So that's definitely something to watch out for. It just adds a little bit more excitement. Um, so the Tour Championship is this weekend. 
in Atlanta. Uh, it will start Thursday on the Golf Channel, uh, and then Saturday and Sunday it will be, excuse me, on the Golf Channel and NBC as well. Uh, moving on, it is time to continue our uh, season previews for college football. Um, this week we have the SEC, so it's the final Power Five conference to talk about. Um, it is probably I'd, the least wide open conference that we've talked about yet. Um, I mean, everybody knows who the top dog is in the East and who the top dog is in the West. And you know, <laughs> we were talking about it right before we hopped on here, like, oh, you know, like I didn't have a lot of notes this week, and we're like, yeah, none of us did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, it's let's just get right into it. Um, do, do you think anybody can beat Bama? Slade, we'll start with you, or, or at least. Yeah, can anybody even beat Bama this year? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think anyone beats Bama. Um, I think that them only playing three ranked teams, only one of them being in the top ten with the rankings right now, um, just says the quality of their schedule for this year. Um, I mean, Georgia is in the same position with the quality of their schedule on the opposite sides. We'll get to talk about them, but Bama plays uh, three ranked teams based on the the rankings right now. Uh, week five, week six. So week five, they play 19th rank Arkansas. Week six, they play sixth rank uh, Texas A&M. Uh, that will be the biggest game that they play this year, aside from uh, division championship or conference championship, whatever. Um, that also has a lot to do with the coaches, so that'll bring a little bit more drama. Um, that is in Alabama. The other two ranked games, the, the third one being against the 21st ranked Ole Miss. Um, those two are away, but Your popcorn ready. I, I don't. Think, I don't think that those. Uh, I don't think that either of those teams are really going to cause too many problems for Alabama's team, especially with uh, Nick Saban coming out. Was it like two weeks ago or something like that, saying that last year was a rebuilding year for them? Yeah. A second place in the college football championships was yeah. uh, a rebuilding year. Yeah. Uh, also, returning not- Heisman. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. They also have a Heisman uh, quarterback. So. Never a bad thing. Yeah. No. Nick, now yeah. you <laughs> Yeah. Um, like probably everybody else in America, I have to agree. They're too talented and too well coached to even have a team sniffing at their throne, especially if you're just talking about SEC West. Um, now, obviously, the people thought kind of thought that way last year, and Georgia kind of came up out of nowhere. Um, but nonetheless, like Slade said, last year's Heisman winner and Bryce Young. Uh, they have a Georgia Tech transfer running back, uh, Jameer Gibbs, handful of running or wide receiver transfers that should definitely help replace uh, Mechie and Williams from last year. Their defense should improve, um, which is weird because we always think about Alabama having a good defense anyway, but I think it should improve um, from last year, even if it's just the slightest. The biggest question for them is going to be their O-line. Um, but when you have the talent around other than the O-line, because even last year their O-line was um, shaky. But there's just too much talent there for the offense not to produce points, and the defense is going to do what the defense does and stop people from scoring points, especially in the regular season. So um, in the SEC, I, I don't think, even including Georgia, um, I, I don't think anybody's is going to beat Bama, barring Georgia, you know, keeping a close game and stealing one at the end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I don't think anybody is competing for with them, at least as far as, you know, in the West. Um, I think they're going to dismantle Texas A&M when they come to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think they're pissed off from last year. Um, and 
Texas A&M has been talking a lot of shit and, you know, hyping themselves. Like, oh, you know, we had the number one recruiting class and all this other stuff. Uh, I think when they go into Tuscaloosa in a few weeks, they're just going to get steamrolled. I don't think it's going to be even close. It, yeah, uh, it's a lot different uh, playing Alabama at home when yeah. Alabama's home, I should say. Uh, the, the one game I want to highlight for them as a possible, not even a trap game, um, but definitely somewhere they could stumble. They go to Tennessee this year. This is a very underrated Tennessee team. Uh, you saw last year, you know, they were much improved overall. Um, I believe they should have been ranked this season. Um, I think come time when Alabama travels there, uh, they will be a ranked team. But I, I think they're going to give them some some fits. I think it's going to be a close game. They might not upset them. Um, but I usually when they play each other, it's, it's always close, even when one, like I, normally Tennessee, uh, even when they suck. Uh, they, they find a way to make this a close game. Um, I, th- I think it's going to be a really good game. And Tennessee could easily, no, I don't want to say easily, but definitely be a team that could upset Alabama here. Um, other than that, uh, the other big game on their schedule is they travel to Texas outside of what Slade was talking about earlier. Um, again, I, yeah, I, I think they're going to get embarrassed on national TV and show how back they are not. Uh, I have Alabama whooping their ass easily. Uh, I think college game day is going to be there. Uh, that Texas crowd is going to be hyped. Even better. They're going sh- to get shut up real quick. Um, Matthew McConaughey will be there. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Sure you will. <laughs> Uh, moving on, uh, speaking of teams that are dominant in the SEC, uh, do you guys think Georgia could make the college football playoffs again this year? Uh, Slade, we'll go with you first. Yeah, so, I mean, they have an even weaker schedule than Alabama this season in my eyes. Uh, they only play two ranked teams as it sits right now. Number 11, Oregon, who I think is going to be a tough matchup for them um, with it being week one. Um, yeah, I think that Georgia definitely gets that win if it's week three, four, and any point the rest of the season. But I think week one, that's just that's just tough, um, tough deal. Luckily, they have it at home. Um, and then they also play number 20, Kentucky, later on in the season. I think it's like the 11th or 12th week. Um, those are their two ranked things. I think that this is a big disadvantage for the SEC this year, that both these teams have very weak schedules because – if they both walk into the SEC championship undefeated, I don't know that you could re- – I mean, it obviously depends on the other the other conferences and stuff like that. But, I mean, if you tell me that Georgia's – if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC and their best win is against Oregon, who was ranked number 11 at the time, and say Oregon's ranked like 20th or not ranked at all at the end of the season, like – I think it's hard to put two SEC teams in at that point. I mean, I, you could say the same for Alabama. <laughs> say Texas A&M's not yeah. ranked at the end of the season, you know? Um, so, like, I, I just think that this is the season for all of the other conferences to really, like, try and get an undefeated. Like, this would be the season for them to have that cush schedule, just get undefeated, win your championship, get in, you know? Uh, yeah, and that kind of goes back to uh, yeah. Um, I'll I'll get to that in a second, but that goes back to our talks with the Big Ten and whether it's Michigan, Penn State, whoever the hell might come out of it in a second team outside of Ohio State. I'm um, just I'm just bringing up the conversation, but um, yeah, that's actually a really great point, Slade. I hadn't thought of that. Um, all all that extra stuff being aside, I, I think that obviously they have the team to do it. Um, to bring up Slade's easy schedule, they should. 
be favorites in all 12 of their regular season matchups. Georgia should, and probably by double digits. Um, so it's definitely um, compared to what you could be facing in the SEC. They both have pretty cakewalk schedules. Um, I think that Georgia and Alabama both end up going undefeated, face each other in the conference um, championship. And like I talked about earlier, whether Georgia you know, squeaks one out at the end or if Georgia can at least keep it close, um, I think you pretty much don't have a choice uh, as to putting them both in. But especially like if or even if Bama, if one of those teams loses that conference championship by more than 10 points, I think there's at the very least a discussion in the college football playoff committee like, hey, both of these guys had cakewalk schedules. This guy, you know, this team lost by 14 to this team. We're putting this team in, but does this second team really deserve to be in? Um, which is, it, it's going to shake things up from that time. But as far as Georgia goes, they only have 10 returning starters, uh, but they have a lot of incoming talent from the transfer portal and recruits and whatnot that I, I don't think, um, at least, you know, barring an, another uh, conference doing real well, I don't think Kirby Smart squad has anything to really worry about. I think they should see themselves in that final four at the end of the year. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and give my hot take. I don't I don't see Georgia making the playoffs this year. Um, I see them having one loss heading into the SEC championship game, and I have Alabama crushing them again for the main fact that I think Georgia is cursed in the SEC championship game, and Alabama is just so much better than them, uh, you know, unless they get some severe injuries. Uh, you know, a team that was, you could argue, was, Georgia was better than them last year heading into the SEC championship and Alabama beat them. Um, I I have them losing the SEC championship, being a two-loss team and not getting into the playoffs. Um, whether Just a you know, question I, real quick. Who do you have? Uh, did you pick a, a game for that one loss or do you just feel like they you picked Oregon? Well, I was, I was going to say, I definitely mm-hmm. feel like it's, it's a week one game. Granted, they're, they're in Atlanta, but I mean, it it's still difficult. Uh, especially with you don't know how improved the Ducks are going to be under Dan Landing. Or he travels. And, yeah, and you know another thing to think about is they have a brand new defensive coordinator. Yeah, you know he sat under Landing last year, but at the same time, you know how is he enough of a leader to be able to take over that whole defense? And you know they that stacked linebacking core they had last year. Some of those guys left. They went to the NFL. It, it's not the same exact defense, uh, and so you you got to think about how they're going to gel week one. But even outside of that, you know, taking my bias out of that Oregon game, they traveled to South Carolina this year. And I think, again, South Carolina is a very underrated team. I think they've That's been a rattler. Yeah. They've been, well, not even, I, well, actually, now you just said that, I, I think they're going to steamroll. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but South Carolina has been a much improved team uh, under Shane Beamer. I think he's a great coach for them. And he did amazing things with them last year. They would look dead in the water. You know, six weeks into the season last year, and he turned that team around. They made a bowl game, and then they beat a very good UNC team in that bowl game, and it wasn't really close. Uh, and it's not like they had a lot of their guys sitting out. Um, but again, I, I don't think enough people are giving Kentucky respect this year. Uh, and, and the fact that Georgia goes there late in the year, um, they also get Tennessee at home. And the, the game against Florida is always, again, it, it's a rivalry game. It's always close. Um, I think there are, there are plenty of games on this schedule that Georgia can lose, uh, it, you know, especially if they're not careful. Um, you know, like I said, there, there's teams much improved than the SEC East. I think the SEC East is actually a little bit tighter than uh, some people are, are thinking. Uh, you know, everybody's marking down Georgia, Alabama, you know, in, in, in the conference title game. 
it might not be the case. Uh, like I said, I, I think Kentucky, and this is leading into our next conversation about teams that you know we think can challenge uh, Georgia in the East. I have Kentucky up there. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to be much improved. Um, and again, like I said, South Carolina. Now, are these teams I ha- I'm picking to win the SEC East? No, I'm still picking Georgia to win the SEC East. But these are teams, like I'm saying, that I think are, are much better than a lot of people are giving them credit for and can absolutely give Georgia fits, especially if they get, you know, some injuries here or there. They're beat up going into those games. Uh, you know, they're just not focused, period, um, heading into these games. These are absolutely teams that can jump up and, and you know, knock Georgia down a peg. Uh, and then, like I said, they go into the SEC championship game. I have Alabama beating them, and then I have them missing the playoffs as a, as a two-loss team. Uh, so, uh, Nick, your thoughts on if you think uh, what teams, if any, can compete with, with Georgia this year in the East, or, or at least teams to watch out for in the East? Yeah, so uh, like you said, I mean, Kentucky's definitely one that you have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, when you're talking about a team that hasn't, necessarily been one of the most successful in years past um there's definitely some question marks but like you said um they did a great job last year and i I, like you i think that they are a bit underrated going into the season Um, as it sits now like i said i I don't currently see them um being good enough to beat georgia however if this team develops fast this year they are going to be a scary good team um they're not they're not going to do enough to get into the playoffs even if they end up beating georgia and make it to the conference championship game they're going to more than likely get smacked by bama and um not have enough uh credit in, to get into the playoffs but they're definitely um at i think out of any power five conference really they're the one team that i have my eye on the most um to make a big splash in college football this year who was that kentucky I almost uh, said Kansas when I repeated it, and I was like, no, not Kansas. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, a couple years ago saying that Kentucky football is better than Kentucky basketball? <laughs> no. I, I wouldn't. If you would have said that a couple years ago, I probably would have slapped you in the face, and I'm not even a Kentucky basketball fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, Slate, your thoughts on if you think anybody can uh, I, I challenge, that, I guess, is the word. I think that you both have, like, good – reasons to think that either Kentucky or maybe Tennessee could could jump up there and snag a spot from them. But I think that it, it seems like the college football playoffs when it comes to the SEC is a popularity contest. You've been here before, so you're in the good boys club. Um, I, I find it hard to see Tennessee not get to the end of the year without two losses. I think we all agree that they guarantee lose to Alabama. Um, barring any random injury or something like that, but they play them early enough in the season that I don't really see that. And then I have Tennessee losing to either Pittsburgh or Kentucky. And they mean, they play Pittsburgh, who's ranked in the top 20 uh, the second week, and then they play Kentucky week like six or seven. Um, so, I mean, they could not even be halfway through the season and have two or three losses already, which really puts a damper on their chances. Um, and then same with Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky could lose to Georgia and then also lose to Tennessee. Um Hurting their hurting their chances. Um, I think it's hard that that they. I I think it's going to be hard for for Georgia not to make it in, um, unless unless they just shit the bed and have three four losses. Um, I think that they're going to have one loss, and it's not going to be to anyone other than Alabama. 
And I mean, and like I said, I, I don't see anybody taking the East this year from Georgia, you know, outside of a, a fucking miracle season from somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, like I said, I just see them at least dropping one game in the regular season. And then, you know, um, come, come SEC championship time, I, I have Alabama rolling over them. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into next week in our week one preview uh, of, you know, our, our playoff teams and all that stuff. Uh, moving on uh, with this, uh, I think we all know the number one player to watch in the SEC, but uh, give, give us some others, uh, Slade, we'll start with you. Yeah, so uh, Georgia's defensive lineman, Jalen Carter, um, he's a possible first-round pick this upcoming draft. Uh, last season alone, he had, um, I think it was like 37 total um, tackles, 17 um solo 20 um combined like assists and then he had three sacks um it's it's just hard to not think that he'll be up there um within like the top 10 when it comes time for the draft at the end of the season barring any injury so i just think that he's definitely gonna be someone that that with nick saying that they only have what 10 starters or something coming back this season um i think that He's definitely going to be someone that is help helpful in leading the team, so that they don't, you know, slip up and get two or three losses, like you guys were mentioning, as a possibility with with their schedule. Uh, Nick, Nick, your thoughts on any players to watch this year? Yeah, so I think that if you're not going to go with Bryce Young, like probably every, but like if everybody's putting money down, everybody's going to put it on Bryce Young. But um, another Alabama star, uh, Will Anderson Jr the edge rusher. He is a junior. Um, I find that kind of ironic, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, a lot of people thought that he was a, a Heisman finalist snub last year. Uh, he had a great season. Um, I, I'm looking up here because I didn't write down his stats, but I wanted to mention him. Uh, FBS best, 17 and a half sacks and 34 and a half tackles for loss. Um, obviously, really good numbers. Um, I, I don't. It, it takes a lot for an edge rusher to win a Heisman, um, especially when you've got some of the quarterback play that we're going to have this season. But I think in the SEC, um, especially since he was snubbed last year, if Bryce Young stumbles a little bit, or even we've seen sometimes where somebody will have a Heisman w- winning season and then they come out and they put up similar numbers the next year and the Heisman voters, you know, they're kind of like, well, I've seen it once. Like it's not as impressive to them. Um, I think a situation like that could definitely see him uh, putting himself in as a finalist, or even if Bryce Young is still in there, I could still see him being a finalist and, and possibly, like I said, especially if that committee says, oh, well, he put up similar numbers last year, I think he could end up stealing it. Yeah. Um, outside of, you know, Bryce Young, uh, I went in the direction of somebody that I'm interested to see play this year, and that is actually Spencer Rattler. Um, I hated him at Oklahoma, and I, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I hate his face. Um, but... I think it's going to be very interesting seeing him switch to the SEC style of play. Uh, he was kind of left Oklahoma disgraced last year. He got benched in the middle of the Texas game, and then we saw him sporadically, you know, in odd situations throughout the rest of the season. Uh, going into last year, he was a Heisman favorite. You know, his name was thrown out a bunch, uh, and then all of a sudden the Texas game happened. And even leading up to that, we, we kind of felt like it just seemed like something was off about him. Uh, he wasn't playing to the same capability he had the year before. Um so I'm very interested to watch him and see if he is, you know, that that same player from last year and just, you know, I guess essentially washed up. You know, nobody really wants to see that anymore. 
Or, you know, is, is this somebody who can prove himself as a Heisman contender? You know, he's back. He's in a system that the coaches believe in him. You know, he doesn't have an incoming freshman like Caleb Williams last year breathing down his neck. You know, the, the coaches give him, the, you know, the utmost confidence. He goes out there and he balls out. And, you know, out of nowhere, he has, you know, South Carolina in contention to win the SEC East. Um, so that's, that's somebody I'd like outside of, you know, Heisman favorites and stuff like that. Somebody I'm interested in, in watching and seeing, you know, if they can develop and progress or if they kind of stay stagnant and, you know, he gets benched four games into the year. Uh, so we, I'm interested to see that. Um, One thing I did want to mention about Bryce Young that I saw, uh, I watched a video of him being interviewed about his NIL deals and stuff like that. Uh, with last year being the first year that he was able to take on an NIL deal, like legally, you know, um, it was interesting to see he had, they had asked him about bonding with his teammates and stuff like that. And I'm going to assume that he's sponsored by a steakhouse somehow, but it, they, they asked him what he does to bond with his teammates. And he said that he takes the O-line out for a steak dinner at a steakhouse um, every night during the season. And the guy was like, you mean like before game day or whatever? And he said, no, every night. <laughs> so uh, nice. it, it must be nice to be blocking for Bryce Young. <laughs> Dude, I got two years of eligibility left. I'm about to go fucking to Alabama. <laughs> damn. Uh, like, moving on. <laughs> uh, moving on. We know your picks for the, the SEC East and West and basically the conference champion at this point. Um, so who is your pick for most declined team and most improved team this year? Uh, Slate, we'll start with you. Yeah, so my most improved team is uh, Texas A&M, only because they went 8-4 and four last year. Uh, looking at their schedule this year, I think that they could go 10-2. and two, um, and so I, I think that that is uh, a good improvement, and it kind of shows that the re- recruiting classes matter, I guess. Um, and so, I mean, they're still going to lose to Alabama, but I think that that puts them at my most improved just on the teams that that I was looking at. Uh, what about your most declined? So for my most declined, I put Kentucky. Um, I know Nick is hoping that they can <laughs> maybe stir up some drama, but – uh. They went ten and three last year, I think, and so this year I kind of have them at eight and four. I think it's a step back, especially with the conference, with their side of the division being kind of wide open. Um, I think that it could go one of two ways. Like Nick was saying, they could kind of run the tables and they could, you know, catch Georgia and and run out the rest of the season. But I just see it kind of going opposite. I see them kind of slipping up multiple times this season and going eight and four, maybe even five losses on the season. You're just upset because they beat Penn State in the bowl game last year. <laughs> uh, Nick, your thoughts on uh, your most improved and your most declined team? Yeah, so for most improved, I got Florida. Um, they went 6-7 and seven last year. Uh, they have a promising young QB who played eight games last year. They have talent at all the skill positions around him, a serviceable O-line, and a defense that has a lot of room to improve, um, which I think they will do, obviously. Uh, I only have them going like 7-5, and five, maybe eight and four um which is only a win or two more than what they got last year but i think on the field it's going to look incredibly different um the reason i gave them five losses is because they have two top 25 matchups to start the season off and then in the middle of the season i think closer to the end um they have trips to georgia and texas a&m in consecutive weeks and the season finale um is at fsu that's the one game i think they could win or, or could lose at this point um so obviously a tough schedule for them, only resulting in an extra one or two wins. But I think that they're going to compete in a lot of those games against, say, Georgia, Texas A&M, um, 
and obviously, like I said, a possible win at FSU in, in, at the end of the year. So um, as far as most decline goes, I have uh, Ole Miss. They went 10-3 and three last year, and they placed second in the West. Um, but it's going to be very hard uh, for Kiffin's squad to reach those double-digit wins again. They lost a lot of talent from the top of their depth chart. And Kiffin did very well in the transfer portal and, you know, obviously recruiting and whatnot. But um, that talent at the top of that roster is definitely going to be missed. Their defense did show improvement last year, but with the loss of talent that they had, they have a new defensive coordinator. I think that it's going to be hard for them to build upon that as far as the defense goes. Um, I have them at seven to eight wins with the possibility of dropping four out of their last five games. Um. For my most improved team, I'm, I'm going with Tennessee. I talked about them a lot already. Um, not a, a terrible record last year. They ended up going 7-6, and six, but I have them going jumping up into that 10-win range. Uh, again, not quite enough to, to challenge for the SEC East title, but, you know, from where they were the past, you know, God, how many years? Yeah, essentially since um, Peyton Manning left, they've, they've not been a good school. Um but I, I see them, especially under Josh Heupel, continuing to improve. He shocked a lot of people last year. They had that early season loss to Pitt, and then from there they kind of turned it around and showed what they were capable of. Um, I do have them losing to Alabama and Georgia um, and, you know, another game maybe here or there. But I definitely, like I said, I see them getting up there into that 10-win range this year. Uh, from a most declined team, I went with uh, the same state as Nick, uh, but I went with Mississippi State. Um, I think the – the mystique of Mike Leach is, is kind of wearing off across college football as a whole. Um, now, this this is a team that could easily end up ripping off 10 wins, but at the same time, I, I feel like their schedule is just a little too tough for them this year. They haven't made a lot of splashes in recruiting or even the transfer portal. Um, I have them going – I want to, It's not going to be like a big decline. They went 7-6 and six last year. I have them either going 6-7 and seven with a bowl game loss or maybe even just going 5-6 and six and missing out on a bowl game. Um, but I, I don't see them as being a team that, you know, competes for the SEC West especially, but um, yeah, I, I see them struggling a lot this year. So that will wrap up our SEC preview. Um, we are done with all, all conference previews this year, and believe it or not, we have football to talk about this week. Uh, we are beyond excited. Uh, college football does start this week. No, no you know, big-name games or anything like that outside of Nebraska Northwestern. Um, but it is the college football week zero. Uh, we are ready to give you guys our picks. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Um, first game up to talk about is that one we just mentioned, uh, Nebraska versus Northwestern. Uh, this will be Saturday at 1230 on Fox. Uh, this is taking place in Ireland. Uh, Nick, your, your, your pick. Yeah. Um, sorry, we discussed this before the podcast. I went off of pure gut on this on all of these picks uh, i wanted to see how close to mid-season form i was with my picking so um i went with nebraska on this one which happened to be the favorite yeah um one thing i didn't mention here nebraska is a 13 point favorite and the over under is set at 50 uh i also went with nebraska here uh just for the simple fact that my father-in-law went to nebraska and if i picked anybody but nebraska i think he would uh make me divorce Anna. so I mean, if it was a reasonable game, like, okay. But if you picked Northwestern on this one, yeah, be a cold uh, night in the doghouse. Sure. <laughs> Slade, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I, I picked Nebraska um, strictly just because I think 
they're going to easily win this by at least a score or two, um, especially with the over-under being set at 50. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's just kind of why I went with North. Or, uh, so we didn't discuss the over-under, but I, I kind of want to – I'm going to go out on a limb. Well, not necessarily out on a limb. I think it's very possible. But I'm going to go with the under on this one. I'm actually taking the over. I think Nebraska's offense is going to be much improved, and I think Northwestern's defense and offense I, – I think it's going to be all Nebraska's offense. Um, but yeah, Northwestern's defense, I think, is just absolute hot garbage. So I, I can easily see Nebraska putting up a, a decent amount of points. You know, Northwestern maybe gets a lucky touchdown here or there. Um, but I'm, I'm taking the over. Uh, you got you the tiebreaker. I think if I was betting, uh, well, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> I would take Nebraska at minus 13 and say that they cover. Um, I think that two touchdowns would be a smarter op- uh, option for my money than for the 50 points, in my opinion. Fair, fair. Fair enough. All right, moving on. The next game we have is UConn travels to Utah State. 27-point <laughs> This will be Saturday at 4 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. As Sleep just said, Utah State is a 27-point favorite. Uh, the over-under is set at 60. Uh, Nick, your pick. Uh, yeah, I went with Utah State on this one. Um, neither one of those odds bets are necessarily enticing. 27 points is a lot to cover, um, but 60 points is, is a bit much. Um, uh, if I got to choose one of them, I'm going to go with under 60. No, I lied. Over 60. <laughs> All right. Uh, for my pick, I went with Utah State as well. Uh, I'm taking that 27. I, I, U, UConn is you know, one of the worst teams in college football. Uh, I can Utah State needs to, to show that they're ready to play Alabama next week. Um, so I'm yeah I'm definitely going to take Utah State at at the minus twenty seven. Ah, I I am also taking Utah State, but I am not a fan of either of these bets. <laughs> Those are hefty numbers. I Those think that hefty. I just take I think I just take the pennies on the dollar and just take Utah State money line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of both of those. Twenty-seven points and the sixty-point over. All righty, our next game up, we have Wyoming traveling to Illinois. Uh, this will be Saturday at four p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Illinois is an eleven-point favorite. The over/under is set at forty-four. Uh, Nick, let's get your pick first. Yeah, um, I went with Illinois on this one, which I'm three for three for the favorite so far after not looking at odds. So that's pretty good. Um, and- and I mean, these are kind of easy ones too. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Illinois minus eleven. Alrighty, uh, for my pick, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Illinois too here. I, I think they were much improved in the Big Ten last year. Uh, I we talked about it, you know, a few weeks ago. I think they're going to be flirting with bowl eligibility this year, uh, and they obviously need to get off on the right foot, like they did last year. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take Illinois at home, and I'm going to take them at minus eleven. I agree. Um, I'm picking Illinois. I think that they had a strong showing last year, and I think that they're just going to build upon it this year. Um, like you had said, George, I think that they need to show that by kind of putting the pressure on Wyoming early and just keeping it. So I, I definitely see them easily getting the minus 11. All righty. Moving on, our next game of Week 0, we have Nevada uh, traveling to New Mexico State. This will be Saturday night, 10 p.m. on ESPN2. 
uh, the first ESPN game of the year. Uh, Nick, your thoughts? Oh, excuse me. Nevada's a, a nine-point favorite, and the over/under is set at fifty and a half. Yeah, um, I went with Nevada on this one, um, and um, New Mexico State isn't terrible. I mean, they're not. They ain't no Georgia, but give me the under fifty and a half. I don't know why I'm saying half this stuff. If you put me on FanDuel, I take the under like 0% of the time. Yeah, Especially in college football. You, you, you <laughs> yeah. never take the under in college football. I'm going to parlay all of my things from today and see if I can get a big one. <laughs> there, there you go. go. Uh, I'm also going to Nevada here. Uh, as far as my bet, um, I, you know what? I'm going to take the over 50 and a half. I, I think Nevada's defense needs to be much improved from last year. And I think New Mexico State is an underrated team. They flirted with bowl eligibility last year. Uh, I, I think they have an underrated offense. Uh, I could easily see this being, you know, a, a down to the wire game. Those, as soon as you get to ten o'clock, and, and you know these games start happening, it, random shit always starts to happen. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to take the over at fifty and a half. Yeah, like you guys, I agree. I, I took Nevada also. Um, I think that they're going to have no problem getting the over at fifty and a half on this. I think that. When you when you think about it, I think it's going to be a pretty close game, and so I think three scores out of each team by mid fourth quarter, with only needing one score then for that over to hit. Um, I think that's something that's very feasible for this game. Absolutely. Uh, so so far we're all in agreement with the picks. The bets not so much. Uh, moving on, the next game we have the University of North Texas uh, traveling to the UTEP Miners. Uh, this is Saturday at 10 p.m. Uh, excuse ESPN2 up there. It is not on ESPN2. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the odds are even. Nobody is a favorite. Uh, and the over-under is set at 55. Nick, your pick. Um, I went with UNT here. Um, but I, it's funny because I was sitting there thinking, man, I could probably flip a coin and choose this. And apparently the odds makers mm-hmm. think the same thing. Um I'm going to go under again. I, I don't know. This game could go either way. I'm going under 55. Yeah. I'm going to uh, no, actually, I changed my mind. I'm going to take the even. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am actually, I'm going to go with UTEP here. Uh, they're playing at home. Uh, but a big thing that came out the other day, this game is sold out. Uh, and they're trying to make it an art, like an orange out. Uh, like Penn State does the white out. Now, granted, it's only going to be 50,000 people. It's, it's not quite up there. But still, uh, I think it's going to be a cool environment. I, w- I hope I can find this somewhere on TV because uh, I'd really like to actually watch this one. Um, maybe it'll but, be on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I am going to take the over at 55. Uh, I-, I think in that, that loud environment, uh, four scores each is definitely doable, uh, especially with these teams. Uh, UTEP, I, I think that you know they're they're going to challenge in their conference this year a lot more than they did last year. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to take UTEP in the over at 55. Uh, Slade, your thoughts? Yeah, so I also went with UTEP. I saw that they had a sold-out crowd. And also, if any team has Texas in their name, you just know that no defense is going to be played. It's going to be a high-scoring game. <laughs> um, all they're doing is throwing 70-yard bombs every play. So whether the defense actually picks one off and runs it back for a touchdown or what, I just think there's going to be a lot of scoring. So I'll take the over. Okay, you're taking the over. All righty. And the last game, uh, we picked six uh, this week. 
Uh, we have Vanderbilt at Hawaii. Uh, this will be Saturday. Yeah, I, I fucked up with this one. It is not 10 p.m. on ESPN2. This is 1030 uh, on CBS uh, Sports Network. Uh, Nick, your pick. Um, I went with the underdog here, uh, not knowing it at the time, but uh, I picked Hawaii. They're at home. Um, I can only imagine that flying out to Hawaii and all that shit probably messes with you to some extent. Um, with that being said, I'm going to take the over on this one, the over 53 and a half. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you 100%. I'm going with Hawaii as well. Uh, it's always tough always tough traveling out to Hawaii, especially week zero. Um, you know, this is a Vanderbilt team that nobody expects a lot of out, uh, this year. Um, so I'm going to take Hawaii, but I am just taking them at the plus eight. Uh, even if they don't win, I think they definitely cover the eight points. I don't think Vanderbilt's good enough to, to stop that. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to take uh, Hawaii in the plus eight. Uh, Slade? Yeah, so I, I actually went with Vanderbilt. Um, I think that at this, I mean, I think back in the day when the schools maybe didn't have as much much money, I think that basically all the Division One schools, when it comes to football, have the money to dish out. They're out there for five, six days before this game. They're acclimated to the time change and everything by that time. Um, I, I, I think that it's going to be a tight game, so this is the only one I'm kind of nervous about, but I'm taking the under 53.5 on this one. This, this is another one, like like I said, especially like the late games, but like I remember a couple years ago when like Arizona went out there, it like went down to the waters like a Hail Mary the last second. Like every every like I said, anytime these games start 10 p.m. or beyond, like they just always turn into like the, the wildest shit shows. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's why if, if I had to take anything other than Vanderbilt or excuse me, Hawaii at plus eight, uh, I think I would take the over on this one. Um, See, I would just take the money line. Yeah. I don't. I, I I didn't even want to take the under. I just didn't want to take the money line for two two of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that wraps up our week zero coverage. Um, I'm just excited for college football to be back. I think it's gonna oh, be yeah. a lot of fun this year. Um, moving on to our last subject of the night. As always, it is our top five of the week. Uh, we went with a, a little off the board one this week, as we do just about every other week. But uh, our top five ice cream flavors. Uh, Slade, let's have you go first. Um, all right. So my first two are kind of similar. The number, well, I'll start at five. So number five, I have Neapolitan. I think it's a nice mix from everything. So you got the chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Um, number four is orange creamsicle or orange sherbet, whatever type of orange ice cream you want. Um, number three, I have black raspberry. Um, I think that that's usually what I would like to get is like a milkshake or something like that. So, um, number two, I have Rocky Road ice cream. Uh, and number one, which is pretty close to number two, Moose Tracks. It's my favorite ice cream ever. Oh, I, I just want to say, so I did tell you guys that I did something different with my list, but I had half my list done before I decided to do it. And Moose Tracks was sitting on my number one too. So much respect, Lee. <laughs> Uh, well, Nick, your top five. Yeah, so um, in the theme of college football and the fact that I'm a Penn State fan, I went with my top five flavors from Berkey Creamery because hands down the best ice cream I've ever had. So, yeah, I don't need to hear that shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever have you ever had the Creamery ice cream, George? I have not. Does he even know uh, that you me? took him out for a sec? 
Yeah, I did. I, it, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So don't talk shit if you never had the ice cream. Shit's busting. Um, but anyway, I'm not, hey, listen. I'm not saying it's bad. I just I'm tired of hearing about you talk about Penn State. So well, bad. I'm tired of hearing you talk about Oregon. So I don't talk about Oregon near as much as you talk about fucking Penn State. I don't care. I, I, I think I you talk about Penn State more than us, George. Oh, that is true. That's a fair <laughs> point. But anyway. Uh, so number five, it's just a basic flavor, chocolate chip cookie dough. You can never go wrong with chocolate chip cookie dough. Um, number four, birthday bash. Um, I would have put that higher because I genuinely enjoy it, but I can't eat a whole lot of birthday cake flavored ice cream. I don't know what it is, but just can't do it. Number three, coffee mocha fudge. Um, I love coffee flavored ice cream. It, I, I don't know. It doesn't give me energy, obviously, but I guess it's just a mental thing. It reminds me of a nice morning um number two i have raspberry vanilla sunday i'm a sucker for whoa food. you didn't what? put peachy paterno at all i didn't get to one yet slade chill out <laughs> said, i thought you said moose tracks all right no i said with my original list i put oh, moose tracks before i decided to put this oh, list my bad, number my bad. one thank you slade is peachy paterno again i love fruit and can't go wrong with honoring uh, i i want to word this very carefully one of the best college coaches of all time had to make sure I worded that right. I didn't want George getting all excited before the end of the podcast again. Um. Anyway, my top five. Number five is very basic. I went with vanilla. Uh, I have it here because there's so much you can do with it. Um, sprinkles, syrup. Like, any syrup you put on vanilla is good. Like, if you take chocolate ice cream and you add chocolate syrup, I don't like it. Or, or like, any other. Like, it's very hard to find a good syrup that goes well with chocolate ice cream. Uh, but I love vanilla ice cream. Uh, number four, I went with uh, just sherbet ice cream, whether it's rainbow sherbet or orange sherbet. Uh, I feel like they put like 10 times more sugar in that, and it's just so much better. Um, number three, uh, I have mint chocolate chip. Um, especially if you blend it up, you put that in a milkshake. It tastes just like a shamrock shake. I love it. Um, number two, I have chocolate chip cookie dough. Um Whenever you get those little cookie bites in there, it just oh, yeah. blows my mind. Mm. Uh, and number one, I have Moose Tracks. Uh, like like we all said, I think that's the best ice cream there is. The only oh, complaint I have about any of your list, uh, I, I like I said, never had the creamery, so I can't argue about Slate or Nick's. Um, is is Rocky Road on Slate? I don't I don't like Rocky Road. Um, I always get Rocky Road and Moose Tracks mixed up because like the name sounds similar to me. Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, it's the marshmallows and like the nuts in there. Like I don't know, it, it just always throws me off. <laughs> it's not bad. It, I I will eat some some Rocky Road if, if it is that, available. That you want your top five creamery or that salty and savory like with the sweet and stuff. So I think that's yeah, it's a it's a nice like change of pace. I asked Hannah what her top five creamery flavors were, and she's like, I only get peach paterno. I was like, okay. <laughs> Whenever we go to a game, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the creamery and try it out. Okay? Right. Just make- you don't want to do it at the game. Yeah, yeah. The okay, time maybe the, ever. next, maybe the next time we go up to see Slade. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll, when we go we'll up go for golf, the- we'll make a stop at the creamery. Yeah, well, yeah, we can do that. All right, but that will do it for our show this week. Uh, we had a ton of fun bringing you guys this episode, uh, as we always do. Uh, again, if you have not checked out this uh, our podcast on YouTube, definitely go check it out. We put a lot of effort into the presentation now. Um, and it looks so much better. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we, we enjoy you guys checking us out on either Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, and, and including YouTube. 
so we thank you guys for all your support so far. Uh, like we said, we have a bunch of fun stuff we're working on, golf logs and then logs and stuff we want to do in the future as well. Um, make sure you go check out our TikTok, our Twitter, and our Instagram. We have actually started posting on our Instagram. Um, so make sure you guys go like. At some point, we will get into all the social medias at one point. We we start focusing on one and then one slacks, and yeah. we'll get there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of cheating. I'm just taking our TikToks and posting it on Instagram. But nonetheless, oh. we're putting effort in at least. Um, but thank you guys for all your support. And, and you know, uh, quick shout out also to Slade's dad, Steve Storm, uh, for hooking us up with those awesome uh, golf polos we had this weekend. Uh, longtime supporter of, of the show. And uh, those, those shirts were awesome. Uh, I'm not 100% censure that's willingly. I think Slade holds a gun to him and makes him listen to it. But nonetheless, yeah. we appreciate it. It's it, it's 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 views and listens. So at yeah. the end of the day, uh, Slade's got to do what he's got to do. So Yeah. <laughs> All right. But like we said, that'll do it for this week's episode. Next week, we will be back. We will wrap up week zero. Uh, we will talk about the NFL preview. We will wrap up the tour championship, uh, the NASCAR regular season. Um, and we will get you ready for week one of college football. Uh, speaking of it's week one of college time, football, I know I almost I almost forgot to bring this up. Uh, Saturday morning at eight a.m., we will go live on YouTube with our very own pregame show. Uh, we're, we're doing it at eight a.m. Make sure you guys are out of there in time to go watch College Game Day because we're God fearing Americans, so we would never take away your right to watch College Game Day. Um, what yep. what's late? You look like you're about to say something. Uh. I'll be absent from this Saturday's one because I work at seven o'clock in the morning. But well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll still have his picks and his bets. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this is something we're, we're looking forward to doing uh, every Saturday we can. Uh, you know, we, we do have work schedule, so if we can make every Saturday. You know, it is what it is. But um, we're definitely ready to get it rolling this weekend. Uh, and like we said, we, we love College Game Day. We would never make other people miss that. So we're going to try and be in and out at eight a.m. and out before nine. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. We usually end up talking a lot longer than we want to. <laughs> but um, so make sure you, you you tell a friend about that. And like we said, 8 a.m. Saturday, next Saturday on our YouTube. So please go check that out. Uh, we will remind you next week as well. Um, I'm hoping to have our, our little intro video done. So maybe we can highlight or preview that next week on the show. Um, I think that's everything. I think I'm done talking now. So we will Thank see you guys God. next week. Have a great rest of your week. Go enjoy some college football, some golf, some racing, whatever it is. Uh, And we'll see you guys next week. See you.